Well, how good's that? Hey, 40 years, 44 years actually. We've been around for a little while. Look at what God has done. Look at what God's about to do. So I get really excited this time of year. Um, and the reason I get excited is an activation of faith that happens in the life of the church and, the, and to see people's lives change as they encounter God in a fresh new way, particularly as it births something in us as Christians again as we come to expansion. So I'd love to, before I ask you anything this morning, over the years we've received pledges, and I do this every year because our heart as a church is that we don't want to hold anyone ever in bondage in any, pos- in any way. And if you've pledged in this church over the last 12 months and you haven't been able to make that pledge, I want to release you right now of it because we don't want people to carry that burden and, and on their life. So I'm just going to pray for a moment. Father, for every pledge that's been bought, we thank you for it. For every pledge that couldn't be bought, Lord, for whatever reason, Father, we thank you that they are released. Father, there's a release in this place right now, a place of freedom, a place of love, a place of light. Father, and we thank you for the release of every pledge, Father, that we can come afresh today, Father, with a new vision of what you're doing in each and every one of our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So important, so important that we don't carry stuff over and that we start a new day. God's mercies are new every day, and I love the fact that we can do that and grab that. Who's excited about today? Got a couple of people? There's something about faith and excitement that goes together, isn't there? There's something about that when you step into faith and you step into something with a a faith-filled motive that all of a sudden you get there and you go, wow, what have I done? But it's exciting. And I love this bit where we faith. I I love faith. I really do. I love stepping out of faith and I love the scariness of faith. I do. There's something that happens where where you actually step out in faith and, and God meets you, but it's that step of the unknown where you step into the unknown and you're going, God, I believe you. And that step that happens that activates something so incredibly powerful in us. And that's the heart of today is that it's a a day full of faith and we step into this faith and we renew our faith and we go on in our faith to make a difference. That's what we're called to do. But I want to start with Corinthians 2.9. Expansion started out of this scripture many, many years ago, about nine years ago. We started expansion. It was known as 2C9 then. And we used 2 Corinthians 9, which God was speaking to us about. And it's such an important scripture when we come to today. It says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generous will get a generous crop. And this is the important part of today. You must decide in your heart how much to give. So it's not something where we receive an offering and there's any pressure, and that's so important to understand. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And as a church, our heart is that we don't bring any pressure in this. We want people to actually catch this and and understand it, and there's no pressure to give. So if you feel pressure to give, please, it's not, we are not pressuring you to give, and we want to make it really, really clear. Because sometimes, and I've been around churches for a really long time, unfortunately, because I'm old, but, well, fortunately, I suppose, (laughs) and I've seen people, uh, I've seen things in the past that brings pressure on people, and and that disappoints me because that, that actually can allow hurt to come and offense to come. And I want you to be free today. As your senior pastor, I want you to be free to give, not under any pressure or compulsion. The church is not asking for your money. We're giving an opportunity for your express faith. That's what we're doing. And it's really, really important 
and we give cheerfully. And that's important as well. You know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I've seen people over the years. I used to go to an Anglican church years ago as a kid, and I watched people type of get out their money and it type of squashed it into a ball. And the plate goes past, and it's the release of the ball. Ugh! It's not like that. We want people to be happy with what they're doing. So, so important. And then it says, and God will generally provide all you need. So, you must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the promise is, and God will generously provide all you need. And then you'll have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. It's really, really important that we catch that, that it's a God deal, not a man deal. So as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to poor. And God, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And that's a really important thing to have a harvest in our life of, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a, in a few minutes. Yes, he'll be enriched every way, so he can always be generous. But I want you to catch this bit. For God is the one who provides seed. And this morning, I'd love you to identify your seed. Because we sow seed, we don't sow our bread. He gives us seed for sowing and bread for eating. And I know I talk about this every time we come to this season, but it's so, so important that we learn to sow our seed and eat our bread. Because if we do that, we're going to see this thing happen. He will provide and what? Your resources? Increase. Not just your money, your resources. He'll increase your resources and produce the harvest of generosity in you. And yes, you'll be enriched in every way. How many ways? And always be generous. Because generosity is so, so important. You see, expansion today is a faith step that affects your whole life, not just the finance sector of your life. Expansion affects your whole life not just the finance bit. And sometimes we get hung up on the money bit, don't we? We think, ah, oh, well, it's all about the offering, it's all about the money, it's all about... It's not, it's all about our whole life and our future because God is involved in what we do. And, and this scripture is so important. It's a scripture about money because Paul's talking to the Corinthians church about the offering they're receiving to take to Jerusalem. So it's a scripture about money. But notice what he talks about, it's about life. And this is what's so important. Jesus talked a lot about money, and, and I want to use a scripture this morning out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where Jesus talks about prayer. So it's the Lord's Prayer is there. If you, if you read that scripture, and if you go to the Bible app, you'll see it all in there. But he's talking about prayer, and he's talked to the disciples about how to pray and, and the model of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which is a, it's actually a community prayer, not an individual prayer. It's an Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, not give me our daily bread. Forgive us our sin, collective, not just the individual. That's a really interesting passage of Scripture. And then it gets down to Matthew chapter 6. 
verse 19, and it goes this. Don't store up treasures here on earth, for where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths cannot and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's interesting, after he's taught on prayer, he deals with two things, you know. And just before this little verse, he, he dealt with unforgiveness. So he's talking about prayer. He then deals with unforgiveness. And then he gets to the other big issue that he sees, that there's so much scripture around, is about money. But in the middle of this, he's saying, your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. Then he goes on explaining more about money. And no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why when I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, you'll have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't it more more than food and your body, more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in bars barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't they more valuable to him aren't you more valuable him than they are can all your worries add a single moment to your life what a great passage just a lot of great snippet there can all your worries has anyone ever been caught in worries does it add anything to your life no it doesn't why worry about your clothing look at the lilies in the field and how they grow don't they they don't work to make their clothing yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. And that's why Doug doesn't buy Beck flowers. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink or what will we wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And we're not unbelievers. But your heavenly Father all you, uh, knows all you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. It's an interesting, you know, he, who will? He will. Because we've got to get out of our, our head that it all depends upon us. It actually depends upon him. So when we come to this season, we are a step of faith in God. But I want to take you back to an interesting little segue in the middle of that scripture. And it says, talking about eyes. Have you ever thought that was weird? When you read that scripture, you read through it and you go, he's talking about money, talking about money, talks about eyes, then talks about money. I thought, wow, that's so interesting. And we don't understand it because we miss what it's about because sometimes we don't understand what was happening in the Hebrew language around this. And this is what it is. Often things Jesus says in the Gospels make little sense. And I read the Gospels and I read and sometimes I get there and go, that doesn't make sense. I I contacted a rabbi friend of mine when I was preparing this and I was chatting to him about this. Because sometimes we look at it from a Gentile point of view and we actually don't get the, the Hebrew point of view. And the, this particular passage is a Hebraic idomen. Now, I was able to pronounce this all day. <laughs> and if you know me, if you're new to church, Ken struggles with the Australian language let alone Hebrew. Um, But an idiom, and it can lead to a wrong interpretation of Scripture. For instance, in the passage above, it isn't clear while Jesus is talking about our eyes. 
But when you actually understand the story behind it, you actually catch it. The Hebrew idiom was that used to describe a person's outlook towards others. A person with a good eye, which is tov ayin, there I got a little bit of Hebrew out, probably pronounced wrong, was a person who looked at others with compassion and had a generous spirit and gave to others in need. The person with an evil eye, Aaron Ra, is the person who is stingy towards others and greedy with money. So in the middle of this scripture... What we think he's talking about eyes, he's actually talking about an attitude to money. But until you actually understand the Hebrew behind it, it can look really strange. Jesus uses this a couple of times. The expression is in Hebrew today, it's used throughout Hebrew today. So when they raise money in Israel today, they'll actually talk about giving with a good eye. They go through Jerusalem raising money and they say, please give with a good eye. Which actually, please give with a generous eye. And Jesus explained it a little more. He said in the same idiom as he found in Proverbs, a generous man, literally, a good eye will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 22 verse 9. It's in the end of the parable of the landowner. Remember the parable of the landowner. This guy had come out and he was looking for laborers. And he found a guy at the start of the day and he offered him a certain amount of money and he'd come to work. And through the day he'd wander out because he needed more work done and he'd grab another person from the marketplace and say, hey, come and work for me. And he offered him the same amount of money. And at the end of the day, with a couple of hours to go, he found another person and got them in to do some more work and he paid them the same amount of money as the first person. And the person, the first person and the second person who were employed, they got upset because they would worked all day for the same amount of money as the person who'd only worked a couple of hours. But they were happy with their money to start with. They were happy. They, they come, they get beauty, I've got a job, and I'm happy to get paid that. They just weren't happy with the other people earning more than them. Which is an interesting problem, isn't it? But it's interesting, at the end of that, Matthew 20 verse 15... The landowner says to the complainers, literally, is your eye evil, greedy, because I am good? And sometimes I think we've got to actually catch this about the eye, our eyes. Understanding this idiom helps us understand the whole passage in Matthew 6 that, that says, begins with, do not lay your treasures on earth then talks about your good and evil eye. One cannot serve two masters, money or God. And how do we have a good eye when we look at the world? See, generosity is much more than money. It's about how we live our life. It's about how we see others. That's... The powerful bit of this. It's about how we live our life. How we have this attitude that's generous. How we have a good eye. Because it's so easy to have a bad eye, isn't it? See the bad in people. So easy to see the problems of the world. You see all the challenges. It's so different to have a good eye and see the best in people. 
And I think that's what God wants for us. And, and I think about the whole journey when I, when I started this series, when I, we started planning this series, we started early, early in the year. And God really explained to me and, and was showing me the story of the cross. How we come to the cross and the cross is all about us. And you've heard me say it through this series. But the cross is all about us. We get forgiveness of sin. We get redeemed. Cursed as he is hung on a tree that takes our curses. Healing. Because by his stripes or by the whip marks on his back. Because sometimes people don't understand what the stripes are. He is healed. We are healed. See at the cross it's all about us. And there's something happens when we come to know Jesus. That we have this encounter with a living God. And he does all of these things for us. He touches us and changes us. We encounter God and we feel the weight of sin gone off our life. I don't know if you remember back to the time when you gave your life to Jesus. That time when you said, yes, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. And you felt that leave your life. What a beautiful day. Love this. Don't forget the joy of your salvation. But post the cross, the way we keep the joy of our salvation is we, how we view the world. But post the cross is all about others. As we come to that point in our life, one of the most powerful things that happens and the thing the devil wants to steal from us is how we view others. And this season of expansion is all about that. And I'm doing things a little bit differently this morning. And, but right now in this room, maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe it's a, been a religious deal. And Christianity's been something that's in your family and you've been in your family or you've gone to a Christian school or you've... It's just been religion. Or maybe it's been something where you said, Jesus, come and be my saviour. But I'm not sure about the lordship bit. Where he's lord of our life. Or maybe it was, was something you said as a rote prayer, but it didn't do that change in your life. And the change is how you view others. That's the change that has to take place. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for a second and then I'm going to continue preaching for a little while. So right across this room, if that's you, and you'd never given your life to Christ or you gave your life to Jesus, but you've never experienced the power of God that's changed your life. If you've never experienced that, you've never had the encounter where you've actually view others differently. I want to give you that opportunity. So right across this room right now, just while no one's looking around, really important, no one's looking around today. Because maybe you've been in church a long time, but you've never had the encounter. I want to give you that opportunity. And the way we're going to do it is as we always do it. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see it. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. 
But you see, the raising of hand is an outward expression of an inward decision you're making. That's what it is. That's why it's powerful. Just while no one's looking around, if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never had the encounter we've got among us, you to raise your hand just so I can see it, so I can pray with you. So look across this room. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So good. I see that hand. Don't go home without him, friend. Right across this room right now. That's you. I don't want to labour it, but I do want to labour it because you're so important. If you've never experienced something that's changed your life forever, because it will today. I sense it. Maybe you've been in church for a long, long time, but you've never had the encounter that changed your life. You still view people with a different attitude. Last time I'm asking. Let's pray together. Hey, if you raised your hand and this prayer is so powerful, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. I'm going to ask us to pray it together, a bit like the Lord's Prayer where you said, lead us. So pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Change me. I give you my life. I declare that you are my Lord. Forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. Give me your eyes to see people in a different way. I thank you that you love me and you've forgiven me. Amen. Amen. Hey, that's a really good decision. If you made your, that decision today, we'd love to help you. So see someone with a lanyard on or see the info point or tell someone about your decision today. So, so important. It's like Bill and Julie said, it's all about souls. That's why we do what we do. It's all about seeing people come to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and affect the world. Throughout expansion, I've been captivated by the book of Haggai. It's captivated my soul. I was reading it at the beginning of the, the expansion series and was just in my Bible reading, and all of a sudden it grabbed and come, jumped out of the Bible. It's only two chapters, and captivated me. And this is what it says in Haggai chapter 1. On the 20, August the 29th, funny about that, and I wasn't reading it in this particular version, but I read this version yesterday, and it said in August 29th, I thought, wow, that's tomorrow. <laughs> in the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shiltel, and governor of Judah, to the Jeshua, son of Jezazak, the high priest. That was the Lord of the heaven armies. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to, build, to rebuild the house of the Lord. It's an interesting thing. and We can have this attitude around the house of God and something incredibly powerful about the house of God. Like King David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than the king. Goes on to say, and, and I'm just going to skip through these verses, Haggai 1, 5 to 6. I love the way it says it this way. Think about your life. You so much bring in little. You eat and aren't satisfied. You drink and never have enough. You close yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who works for a living earn wages that are put in a bag full of holes. I don't know about you, I've felt that way at times. Has anyone felt that way? You go to work, you work hard, you give, 
You sow, and it feels like there's just a bag of holes. <laughs> Thank God, what's going on? I've done this for years. And sometimes it just feels like it's just draining out. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 to 9 says this. For this is what the Lord of the heaven army says. In just a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth. The oceans and the dry land. I'll shake the nations. I'll, the treasures of the nations will be brought to this temple. I'll fill this place with the glory, says the lords of the heaven armies. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of the heaven armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. In this place, I'll bring peace. I am the Lord. I, the Lord of the heaven armies, have spoken. And I, and I actually believe this is a prophetic utterance for us. And I think Bill and Julie said something so profound in what they said is, imagine what God can do if we stay planted. Because they look at it this and say, this is impossible. We see the possible now, but we look to the impossible. That's what the expansion's about. Haggai chapter 2, verse 18 and 19 says this, think carefully. And I say to you this morning, think carefully. Think carefully about expansion. I am giving you a promise. Now, while the seed is still in the barn, you have not yet harvested your grains and your grapevines, your fig trees and your pomegranates, and your olive trees have not yet produced crops. Now, we probably haven't got grain, some, some will, grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees. But maybe you're can reframe that to say, hey, your money's still in your pocket. Your money's still in your wallet, which is good. Maybe you've been caught before in giving where you've felt fleeced. We don't want you to ever feel that way. We want you to catch this as a heart deal. But the promise is, and this is the promise I want you to catch, but from this day onward, I will bless you. And if you can catch this faith statement, which I actually believe God's saying to us, can change your world. So you see, we've got in this book an expansion list. And I really encourage you to use it. You can tear it out. You can put it in your Bible. You can put it on your fridge. Mine's in the front of my Bible. Here it is. I want you to add expectation to that prayer list. As your pastor, I encourage you to add expectation to it. Because I want you to grab the promise that we have out of Haggai that says, from this day forth, I will bless you. And let it be the prophetic utterance over your list, over your life, over your family. Paul said to Timothy in 1, in 1 Timothy 1.8, This I charge you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. If you haven't got a prophecy over your life, you do now. Because God said, from this day forth, I will bless you. So you can take hold of your prayer list, you can take hold of your situations in your life, and you can fight the fight of faith with the prophetic words that go before you, and you can declare over that, from this day forth, I am blessed. 
That's the prophetic. Not the pathetic, it's the prophetic. And sometimes people make the things prophetic, pathetic, but it's not, it's actually prophetic. If you can grab it and you can fight. See, this is the step of faith that happens with expansion. The seeds you plant today will produce, will produce fruit for years to come. And we're planting seeds today. That's what we're doing. 44 years ago, people planted seeds. And we're still seeing the fruit of that today. We're planting seeds at Highfields. And we're seeing the fruit of that today. We're planting seeds in our movement of INC, COC, whatever you call it. It's now known as INC. We're planting seeds of faith in that to see that movement prosper. God has given us some doors of opportunity that are just amazing as we plant our seeds into that to see lives changed. But the heartbeat of all of this, please understand, is to see lives changed. That we all have a good eye. That generosity becomes the mark and is the mark, becomes more of a mark in our life and the life of this church. People look at us and go, wow, what is it about you? It's about the fact that we have a God who loves us, blesses us, and we make a difference in the world of others. So this morning we're going to receive an offering.